0: I changed the title a little bit And originally I said how to run a virtual conference. And then I realized, no, we have no idea what we're doing. So, <laughs> We've done it once and we yeah. didn't die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I like to put that we, how we run a virtual conference and then you can learn from us or what not to do or what to do. So uh, feel free to ask questions at any time. Like seriously, please ask so many questions so that we can answer them during the presentation. So, we will stop and pause and answer your questions at any time, if they are relevant to the material.
1: What is this? Oh, we, we hired a Big 5 pen test puppy mill. Why does that puppy have a 400-page output from a scanner? It's what they do. They show up in large numbers, and they run tools. They're cute, but pretty much worthless.
0: How? How? They don't, they don't even have thumbs. Wait, wait, that one just crapped in the corner.
1: Yeah, they do that, too don't support pen test puppy mills contact black hills information
0: security i just got some of my shoe consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and then john uh, let's get started with uh suddenly virtual so, so i'll
1: take over from here cuz you weren't you weren't part of this conversation so 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 jason sees the covid-19 thing going down and him and his wife were like yolo let's go on a cruise and away they go <laughs> And they leave Deb and I in charge. So more so Deb than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Velda and I were really super nervous with uh, Way West Hackin We were we were real kind of seeing the train come down, and uh, we're gonna get hit because this conference is going to get shut down. We're gonna get blown out. Um, it, it was it was looking like it was gonna be ugly. So we had a really painful conversation and we basically decided that we had to cancel the conference. And uh, I spelled out, exactly how much are we going to lose And she said it was about $100,000, which we'll get to here in a second. And I was like, God, that's a lot of money to just set on fire. And we decided it was still like the best thing to do. Meanwhile, Jason's on the cruise sipping Mai Tais. Um, (laughs) I get on the phone with Deb quickly because most of my conversations with employees at BHIS are like, hey, you okay? Yeah, good. All right, hang up. And that's that. I don't really have long conversations with people. I suck at phones. But um, I said, hey, Deb, do you think we can do this? And she's like, uh yeah, I'm like great. Away we go. So we basically decided to do that very quickly, and we knew we could kind of do it because we did it in Adele, or sorry, Adele, Iowa, with the uh, the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, The awareness con that we did in Iowa after the coal fire pen testers were busted for breaking into a place. And we did that in 10 days. So we figured if we could do one full track in 10 days, there is no way that we can't do 35. individual talks and seven training classes and lift it in four or five days because hey mm-hmm. we've got this down now so i start getting texts intermittently from jason like i'm on the cruise what the hell is going on i just saw that you canceled was hacking fest and we're doing this all virtual yeah. um and then it came back and i have this one really nice text it was basically you know Proudly serving my corporate master. It's like, whatever you need, I'm here to help. And that was that was cute because he was nice with that. So it was, a, it was a huge lift to do that. So then Jason gets back on land. And Jason, do you want to take the next slide? Because that's basically where I handed this mess off
0: to you. Yeah. So I, I wanted Belda to cover what happened when we got rid of the venue. Because I think a lot of the people have been asking, Ooh. like, now that I want to go virtual, w- well, crap. Like, what do I do? And so, Velda, Velda, you're here to say once we decided to go virtual, what did we do with the venue? What do we do with the hotel and what knowledge can you transfer to the people that are currently on the call?
2: Sure. I'm happy to. Well, once we decided to go virtual, John and I got on, on a call amongst others with, with the hotel, talked a little bit about it. And of course. What I know about hotels coming from the industry is hotels are nice until they don't have to be nice. And and what I mean by that, they're hospitable, right? So they'll they'll be nice to you, and they're probably saying bad things behind your back, but that's what they do. Anyway, we we got on a call with them, and of course I wanted to push the force majeure clause. The force majeure clause in a contract is and. I'm, for unforeseeable circumstances that prevent someone from fulfilling a contract. Those unforeseeable uh, circumstances are like acts of God. Um, You've had a hurricane, uh, we've gone to war, there's acts of terrorism. When I write a clause, I make sure that we put in there people can't get to a a venue. You know, we we do a multitude of, of things. That we, we put in there, and the hotel, of course, wants to push back. They don't want you to to enforce that force majeure clause because, although there was a directive from um, the governor of California saying, "Hey, you know, we're under a state of emergency," there was, you know, a, a virus going around that that could cause death. That it, it does cause fear. It does cause panic. We weren't necessarily able to enforce the force majeure at that point, but we were agreeable to going ahead to pay our cancellation clause. And we can talk about the cancellation clauses and how important those are to write a a really strict cancellation clause. But we did went ahead and we we agreed to the, the cancellation clause at that point. And they agreed to give us back a 50% credit. Now, since that time, a lot's transpired with President Trump. And had we been on site last Thursday, we would have been forced to send everybody home. Because it's we couldn't have Right. So I'm still in negotiations and I'm still talking with the hotel. Because I, I really feel like the force majeure clause should have
1: applied. And and also, um, Velda, we're kind of we're trying to walk this very fine line right. of trying to get a better percentage with the hotel right. at the same time, not pissing them off to the point where we can never go back to that hotel. So it's this right. weird place that Velda occupies because that's that's what she does really well.
2: And John tells me I'm really
1: mean. you you are like you're the nicest person you're you're a nebraskan like to your core which is like there's canadians and nebraskans well now canadians and nebraskans yeah but you're, you're unbelievably nice you're like the sweetest person i know i get on the call with you in the hotel and i'm like damn she's tearing into them i think she said something effective if this goes to court we would win and i'm like what the hell i'm getting off the call now and i just walk away and, let her.
2: And, and truly this is an act of god it is it is um you know uh, it, 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 It it caused panic, it caused fear, Um, but we also write things into our clauses, like if 50% of of the attendees can't get to the conference, then that's, that's also part of our force majeure. Force majeure clauses are really interesting, you know, you read them, you reread them, you have somebody else read them, you think of things that you can add to them. You reread them again. You send it back to the hotel. They send you back and say, yes, we can have that. And you say, can I have one more thing in it? So force majeure clauses are really important that you write as much as you can into them. Cancellations are also really important as well because we could have been stuck for a whole lot more um, had I not wrote a lost profit clause into our cancellation. So, you know, we're still we're still in negotiations with them but we're working it out we're going to work it
0: out so uh, dominic asked a question you know are we talking about hotels or virtual conferences and i right now we're talking about a physical hotel because this event was supposed to be a physical in person conference and so we went from a yep in-person conference to pivoting almost instantaneously to a virtual conference. And I think a lot of the people that are listening to us right now had a planned in-person conference. And so what do you do when you can't do that anymore? And now you want to go virtual, which is what we're talking about. Yep. Yep. And then Velda, once we decided to go virtual and then you had to send an email to all the attendees, what did your inbox look like at that point?
2: (laughs) It loaded up. (laughs) <laughs> i was getting i was getting you know customer service notes john was really kind he said look if you bought a ticket you're going to get a you're going to get this year's con you're going to get the 2021 live con a lot of people just it didn't register all they seen was that we were we were not having a live event right so mm-hmm. um in addition to to sending out emails i was also getting those people who said we want to cancel so then i was like typing in You know, I was I was sending messages back going, you know, I just want to make sure before I cancel or before I post or before I refund your ticket that you understand you're getting X and Y, you know, you're getting X and Z. So, you know, I my my inbox exploded and I I spent most of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> um, responding to emails <laughs> so you know in addition to everything that was was happening you know trying to get the con going rearranging schedules for people who wanted to do other things speakers it you yeah. know I was also doing a lot of customer service work so really be prepared for that um, if you switch from a, so, a I'm sorry it,
0: Cool. Go ahead, uh, we
1: got a couple of uh, questions here. Uh, Dominic said, "Could we do fewer stories?" Unfortunately, um, I find probably the best way from a mnemonic device for people is through the narratives and the stories for comparison. So we're probably going to stick with the stories and the narratives. Mm-hmm. The question was, how much is the ticket? US dollars? I think it was like 375 US dollars for a conference B-29. ticket. Is that correct? 325. Yeah. And then. Yep, 25, 25. And then uh, Rob Fuller asked, "Did you contact the speakers and training before the announcements?" And we did. Actually, this is a communication plan that I think worked really well. Is Velda started communicating with our speakers and our trainers? Velda, would you say two, three weeks before, asking them if they could do, if they could do a uh, like a hybrid? Could we, could we webcast it and do that? So we had already been kind of planting that seed uh, for a couple of weeks. As well, Philip asked, "How many? Uh, w- what percentage of people did we end up giving a refund for?" And I don't think it's a percentage. It, it was actually less than a percentage. It was almost like a rounding error. So, Velda, mm-hmm. how many refunds
0: did we have to give?
2: I'm guessing probably maybe 25. But once we announced that it was a virtual con, registrations exploded. Yeah. So.
1: So we, that's we, not that's not 25 percent. That's 25. Yeah total attendees and yes. registration exploded over, I think it was over a hundred by the time it was said and done, wasn't it?
2: About,
0: yeah. It was about 118, 118, 120. Yeah. So, you bet. so, right. so yes, be prepared. So what's next? So we, you know, like uh, Belda just said, we started emailing out the attendees that we were going virtual. So once you go virtual, you have to like, hey, we're going virtual. The the instant we say we we're going virtual, then we start getting the questions of, well, what what's the link? Where's this? And we didn't have one. Like it was, hey, we're going virtual. We're not sure how we're doing that. And so like I'm on the cruise ship trying to plot out, like what if we had this and this and all these things. And then I also didn't know what was happening back here in the States. So when I landed back in America and they didn't put me in a quarantine, the first thing was so like, what are you doing? And I wanna make sure I don't mess up what you're doing. So one of the things that was being done was the um, uh, sysadmin on our team was building out our uh, webinar capabilities. So we already had a couple licenses, but then they added a few more licenses and then we shored up what was in each license. So how many people could we go to? What type of, could we have webcams? Could we have this, could we have that? Like what type of license did we have and how much was that gonna cost? So we determined that we needed at least four go to webinar licenses, and I think we ended up with five just because at some point we we're like, we need an extra one just in case one goes down and we 'll tell you what those were each for. The first one was for track one, track two, track three, and the workshops so uh, we didn 't have the track three <laughs> track one, track two, workshops, and a green room. so the green room's going to come in play here in a few minutes, and the green room is probably the most important thing to do when you're trying to coordinate the speakers and the tracks but one of the first things I did is I asked Deb uh, Deb's on her team and I said hey Deb can you please contact all the speakers and find out what their equipment sounds like because in a live event you're in control of the equipment you're in control of the microphones you're in control of the audio visual equipment you're you're in control of the projectors and screens But when it comes to someone speaking at a virtual event, you're at the mercy of whatever microphone that they have, whatever headphones they have, whatever webcam they have. And so the first thing that we wanted to do, and and the reason why we checked this is because we've had this issue for the last two years doing webcast. And so every once in a while, we forget to ask a person who's about to present for us, what kind of mic do you have? What kind of webcam do you have? They will almost always get on and they get like a little headset, with like a little like it's <laughs> terrible. And everyone else sounds amazing. And then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've learned over time to always check the microphone and the microphone's way more important than the webcam. So uh, you gotta check that first. So Deb, what was that like reaching out to all the speakers and asking them and testing their equipment?
3: All the speakers were super kind. They got um, the uh, just the challenge that we were facing. Everyone wanted to help. They wanted to see what they could do for the most part, most speakers had good equipment. There were a couple that uh, from like two seconds of me being on with them and I was like, oh, I'm gonna send you all the things. I can barely hear you, I can barely see you. So it's definitely very important to check to see if they have the equipment But everyone was super um, flexible with, it takes like two minutes, maybe two minutes to set up a time. And we used uh, Google um, Hangouts as just a quick check. We did not use GoToWebinar. Uh, So they just, I, I scheduled a calendar invite with them, sent them the link to where to meet me, and it was over in less than two minutes.
0: Yep. So we have on here Linux, Windows, Mac, and that's a, if you're going to use GoToWebinar, uh, you can't present as a Linux. If you have Linux, you cannot present. You can participate. You can you can listen, but you cannot share your screen. And so that's a huge issue, especially in our industry, where a lot of information security professionals use Linux as their main operating system. And so we had at least two people that were predominantly Linux, and they had to come up with a solution prior to the talk. And that's something you have to check on. So whatever platform you're using for your, for your track or your stage, then what you're going to do is make sure that that stage or that platform can use that type of operating system. We also learned that widescreen monitors are not your friends. And so these people who are getting these giant widescreen monitors, there's an issue with GoToWebinar that it doesn't share a widescreen monitor properly. And so what it does is it creates all this extra space on the left and right hand side. We didn't realize that until we were live for the very first talk on the first night that this was an issue that we could not fix because on our Monitors, it looked fine, but once it actually got to the GoToWebinar, it was it was not good. And so you're starting the comments from the attendees saying, "Can you increase the size? The font looks small. I can't really see that." And so just something I know: is widescreen monitors are not your friend. Spreadsheets. You and your team need either Google Sheets or some kind of shared document to where you have all your speakers and then you're checking, do they have good audio? Do they have good micro, um, Do they have good cameras? And then uh, is it mailing list? Or, Deb, how many people did we have to purchase things for and mail them?
3: We had four speakers that we had to purchase equipment for, so it wasn't a ton.
0: Yep. So that is something that we, we ate the cost of that. And so when we had a presenter that we knew that we wanted them to present, we, they got onto the, the call and I was like, he was like, oh, okay, we're going to send you a microphone. So we just, cut uh, we ate the cost of that and sent them a microphone. We have a couple links in here for the webcam that we prefer. We're using Razer Kyos for our webcams. And I can bring this link up. Uh, they run about $87. They look like this. They have little lights on them. So that helps boost the light if you have somebody that's presenting. And then the microphones that we're using are the the Yeti Blue Nanos, and the reason why I like these is because it's real simple. On the back, you only have like one button, and it's really easy for the attendee, uh, the presenter to use them. And then if you want this, I think this is great, is these lights, uh, these lights right now, have these little light panels, so the presenter can grab one of these, and they're battery operated, and you can use those just to, to boost the light for your video feed. All right, let's see if there are any questions. I had 700 speakers. Dominic, I am. <laughs> I just. We can talk about that later. Uh, why did you select GoToWebinar as your provider versus alternatives? Great question, uh, Rob. So the reason that we picked GoToWebinar is because we use it a lot. And we have tried one other service, which was Webinar Jam. And there was a vulnerability in the chat function that if you did a certain command inside the chat function it would reveal all the usernames and email addresses of all the people who had been using chat and so we weren't sure if we went with another platform if there would be security vulnerabilities with those so we decided to go with the uh, go to webinar which is what we use already all right. so LobbyCon, discord so if you're planning a virtual event for the attendees, especially for hacker conferences, is that you have, and that, this is where we're coming from. We're, we are a hacker conference, information security conference organizers, and that's where our background is. So for us, LobbyCon in the hacker culture is the place. Like, yes, people go to the talks, yes, people go to here, people go over there, but LobbyCon is where a lot of stuff happens. And so we need we knew we needed some kind of glue, some kind of place that would bring people together. And so we chose to use Discord. So I have the link here, and I'm gonna drop it in the chat. And this link takes you to the Wild West Hacking Fest Discord. And while you're there, you can look around. Uh, I'm gonna drop it in the chat. And you can take a look at how the people, um, how the people used it, how the attendees used it. You can take a look at the different channels that we created, and you can see how the channels were used by other people. So we had lobby con, lobby where people hang out. We had announcements and this is where Velda would go in about five minutes before every talk began. And she would tag the speaker. She would say, here's the talk and give the link to the track, excuse me, so that people could go to that. It was a constant reminder. The nice thing inside of Discord is you can do an at everyone. What it looks like is I'll just type it here, at everyone. I think it's in here somewhere. But if you type at everyone, wow. Uh, it would send a notification to every single person in the Discord. So it's kind of like walking into a physical room and going, everyone, can I have your attention, please? The next talk is beginning in five minutes. Please start heading to the tracks. So that is why we had, uh, and we like Discord, is because we had that ability to notify everybody. We had hallway con. What's the difference between hallway con and lobby con? Well, sometimes lobby con got really busy with people chatting with each other and they wanted someplace else to go. And in the hacker culture, we have hallway con, lobby con, we have elevator con, we have all these places. Um, but we had sponsors. So we wanted a place where sponsors could post their own type of messaging and the attendees could go there and interact with the sponsors if they wanted to. At one point, a sponsor asked if they could have their own channel. And we decided to go with no. And the reason we decided with no to have a sponsor to have their own channels is because we didn't think the attendees would really go there. So if we put all the sponsors in one place, then it had a greater probability of the attendees going in there and at least looking at one sponsor and seeing a different one. The other thing, too, is that the sponsors were great that they were giving out. Uh, Swag mailing so they would mail swag to people, you know, we'll send you stickers. We'll send you a shirt We'll send you this and they had Google sign-up sheets And so I think that was a great way to collect leads for those sponsors And so if you have a swag item that you want to give away you put it into the 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 sponsor channel and then you say sign up for this to get a um, to get the swag We had a track one and track two, and I'm gonna show you all this stuff right now because I can actually do that. Why am I just telling you about it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So over here in the Wild West, we had LobbyCon. We had new attendee intro. So in in Discord, when someone comes into Discord, it always does a like, hello, you're here. Look at this person, this person's here. And so this was that filter where all those people went. Announcements, so like I said, this is where uh, Velda would post things here so that the attendees would hear. Uh, we had track one, so when the talks were going and you had track one or stage one, and the people were speaking, because we had all the presenters and they were speaking and then people were watching. Inside here is where people would you know, have that conversation where they're sharing memes, they're talking, they're asking questions. One of the great things was they were asking questions uh, about the talk that was happening and if somebody in that also had the knowledge to be able to answer that question they were answering the question there so there was a lot of conversation taking place and people making connections and building friendships here in track one track two is the same thing so you have a different track or different stage going at the same time and then we had a track for the workshops so we we had individual workshops that would break out and people could then Uh, have conversations about that specific workshop at that time in this place. And then we asked the presenters to, when you were done, could you please post a link to your presentation in the download slides? Because everyone, uh, in the very beginning, the attendees were like, are we gonna get these slides? Are we gonna get these slides? Some of you have already asked us, are we gonna get these slides? And so we wanted to have a centralized place where the attendees, I'm sorry, the presenters could post that. We had a CTF a captured a flag happening at the exact same time. And so in that, we um, we had all the people just have that conversation in there. They were building their teams. They were meeting each other. They were asking questions to the people who were running the CTF. The CTF uh, organizers had made sure that they added to their name that they had dash uh, meta CTF for that. Right. Hallway Con, Annie Oakley's blue team, red team. So any t- If there was a way for people to break out and have conversations with each other. At one point, someone started posting uh, virtual stickers. And we were like, yeah, that's so they were posting virtual stickers in LobbyCon. And we're like, hey, we should probably give them their own channel. And that's what we did. So we created a channel just for that. Hiring Happy Hour. So, hiring Happy Hour was we were going to do this in person. So a live event where we would ask the people who were hiring to come in, the people who are looking for work to come in. And we were going to do it live at the event. But since that didn't happen, we wanted to still give that opportunity for people who were looking for people to be able to find them. And so we created hiring happy hour. Now one of the things that you can do as the main organizer is you can periodically go into here and say, everyone, reminder, you know, there's hiring happy hour going on right now. If you're currently looking for work, you know Jump in here if you currently have job positions open. Go ahead and put them in there. And then just uh, we had private channels. And so these private channels was for the training classes that took place. And so if you see all these people are blue, it's because we designated them as a student of that class. And so that they got access to only that private channel so that they could communicate with each other prior to the conference starting while the training was taking place. I'm sure there's a bunch of questions. Why did we go with Discord versus Slack? Because I just took a class on Discord about a month ago and I was like, I really like it. And that at everyone feature, and the fact that you could go from the different channels and the different this, I just thought it was very streamlined and easy to do. Um, So that's why we picked Discord. Would we reuse Discord? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Discord was fantastic. Uh, would you next time want uh, to hopefully so yeah so great question olaf uh, we now plan to have a virtual conference on top of our in-person conference for now on, because this went so well with the discord channel and so well with the streams and everything else we are deciding now to have that virtual uh, component to our future in-person conferences so thanks for that question creating staff and attendee roles uh, so we had these so we have a Wild West theme. So we created the rustlers, the speakers. So what that looks like down here in Discord is we had these rustlers, and what they are is essentially an admin. So they have way more rights than anybody else. They can boot people, they can change messages, they can delete messages, they can do the at everyone sign like uh, like um, Delta did. And then we had trainers. So these trainers had different roles, but it it helped to differentiate them from the other attendees, so that if the attendees wanted to ask a question to the trainers, they could. And then, it's hard to see right here, but the orange. So the orange were the speakers. So just like going to a regular in-person conference, you normally give the attendee their own badge. You normally give the speaker their own badge. You give the trainee their own badge, the trainer their own badge. And so this was our way of doing that was giving different uh, privileges and different way to call them out inside uh, the group over here. There's also a cool feature, too, that if you do at speaker, you can send a message to all speakers and so one of the messages we could send is if you haven't checked in with your speaker Wrangler at this point, please check your emails and make sure that you're you're going to be at the right time for your green room session today. Uh, if we wanted to send something to the trainer, you could say at trainer. The attendees, if they had an issue, they could say at Rustler. And so if the attendees having a problem with somebody else, if, if you know, that's a possibility. If they're having problems with you know a track or if they're having problems there, they could say at Rustler and would contact all of those Rustlers to be able to go and check in on them.
3: Uh, Jason, we have a good question, kind of a follow up to what you're saying. Sure. Was there a lot of admin moderating needed for people showing unwanted behavior?
0: Almost none. So when I say almost none inside the Wild West Hacking Fest, I didn't see any we had started a black hills information security discord at the same time and what happened in that one is we had left it open to anybody so that was my mistake i just like anybody if you wanted to come join this and, and some people did and they posted some uh pornography inside the um, the, the channel and this was like at 10 30 at night and somebody reached out to me on twitter and said hey jason you need to come fix this so immediately I jumped on, I fixed it. And the person who had told me about it, I said, would you like to become a moderator? And they're like, yeah. So I uh, I uh, promoted them up to moderator. So they're helping with that. So the uh, inside the Wild West Hacking Fest, we sent the invite to just the attendees. And so really there wasn't anybody that joined that was going to cause any issues. And we never really saw any. Were there people who like may have said a snarky thing every once in a while? Maybe uh, that could just be my interpretation of what they said, but not necessarily what they meant.
2: This was. Other I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say that this was a really great way to stay engaged with the attendees too. Um, I, I ran contests all day. You know, post a picture of what you're wearing to virtual con, or what you're you know are you having having a cold one? Just different things to keep the attendees engaged and, and to keep in contact with them too. We gave away John socks. Those were popular.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Any other questions? What, yeah, uh, what's, what's the, the, the best number of people to have be in the Discord to kind of handle questions, handle announcements? That's kind of a question that we're getting. How many, how many folks total were running this? And I, I think a better question is how many do we recommend? <laughs>
0: So it was mainly, I think, Deb, Velda, myself were managing that. But there was attendees that became like super attendees and they were the ones that were helping to manage the conversation going on between the attendees. So there was a lot less work that we needed to do because the attendees were just taking care of a lot of things on their own. So I would say at least three or four people that you're going to have maintaining and monitoring at all times. So like a thing that happens like that sticker, I know it's weird, it's like virtual sticker share, but just seeing that and going, wait, I have the right to, I have the permission to go create a virtual sticker share channel. So I'm going to go make that real quick. And then I'm going to put out at everyone. We now have virtual sticker share channel. Feel free to come to that. And then all the people migrated over to that. Any other questions, Seth?
3: Uh, are people seeing who else is in the channel? If so, did we use real names, badges, or nicknames?
0: Oh, uh, so yes, 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 and yes. So Mm -hmm. what happens with that is, there are some people like Ian here. Ian used his real name, that's Ian Lee. The deputy, as you can see, Velda did not. I went by my handle, so Vanjo Crashland. Jeff McJunkin, that's his real name. And then as you can see through here, there's a lot of handles. And so one of the difficulties, and that's a really good thing to bring up, is that when I had, or when it was time to promote a speaker to speaker, which are right over here, when it was time to promote these people to speakers, it was not easy to find them. And so I had to put out the word every once in a while and say, hey, if you're a speaker, send me a message and I will promote you to a speaker position. And so that was a little difficult at, at, every once in a while. But Deb did a really good job in the green room and she said are you currently on the discord channel and they would say yes have we promoted you to speaker yet and they would say no not yet what's your username cool and she would just tell me real quick and i would just go in and promote them that way Does that answer your question
3: mm-hmm. I, I, there's a lot of questions about just how many people how many people did it take to run the technical back end, the go to okay. webinar green room tracks sure we can we can answer to how many we had
0: yeah. Um, I think we can uh, cover that here in the stream logistics logistics. Yeah. So in, you know, in that startup period, we had to build out the streams. And so what we're calling a stream is just really a really long go to webinar session. Like it, it just starts at eight o'clock in the morning and ends at eight o'clock at night. And it's just one long, continuous go to webinar session. But we were going to keep it live. And the reason why we wanted to keep it live the entire time is because if you kill it, then people have to come back into it. So if you have 150 attendees or a thousand attendees that are in the stream and you kill it for every single talk, then the people have to join that talk again. So we decided just to leave it live. So that way they never got kicked out. And they never had any issues having to go back in. So instead of creating 36 links, we created three links or three sessions instead of 36 (laughs) sessions. So we created these tracks or stages. uh, And so it was building all the sessions. So once those sessions were built out, then it was giving those links for those different tracks over to Velda. And I have this in, um, and I don't wanna click the wrong thing because then it's gonna be on here. I'll come back. <laughs> so once those links were sent to Velda, then she put it into the emails that were going out to the attendees. Now, historically, like people only are open 30% of their, or 30% of people open the email. So you're like, oh man, I, I'm gonna send these really important links to people. These are the links for the event. And I know that 70% of these people are not gonna open it. And so you have to maintain like a couple emails, like, hey, here's the link. You go on Twitter and you say, the link in the email is going out. This is the title of it, please look for it in your inbox. So you have to constantly like maintain communication with your attendees because they are not paying attention. Some of them would be like, hey, do you have the link? Do you have the link? Do you have the link? But a lot of them are not. I actually woke up Tuesday morning and I contacted Belda and I said, Velda, how many people do you think didn't read the email and are currently flying to San Diego? <laughs> like,
2: I went, what?
0: Even think about that. <laughs> yeah. So you have for the most most of all you have time to prepare this and let your attendees know we had like a four-day turnaround so that was the actual concern uh, like I said before we had five licenses and so we had a sysadmin that was setting all this up setting up the permissions, setting up the username setting up the passwords and sharing that stuff so that the rest of us could have access to it we did have five licenses one of the license goes up to three thousand people and then you have a thousand five hundred so you have to determine Which size license do you need and how many attendees do you plan to have? Now, we follow the 52% rule. So if you have 100 people signed up for something, 52 of them will show up. It's a little different when it's a conference, but remember, a conference has a lot of different things to do all at one time. So we never, even though we had 400 people that were registered with ticket holders, we never really had more than 200 people in a track at any one time because somewhere in this track or this track or in this workshop, or they were doing the CTF, or they were just hanging out in the Discord and getting to know each other. So think about that when you're determining what type of license do you need. Uh. So a note in here, we didn't have track one properly configured on the first day. And we didn't know that until it was time to go live. And we're like, all right, go ahead and turn your webcam on. And they couldn't. (laughs) It was a function that was not turned on inside our license. And so it wasn't until day two that we were able to have webcams in track one. And if you're like, well, why do you need webcams? I highly recommend that all your speakers turn your webcams on because it goes from being a voiceless. I'm sorry, not voiceless because you can actually. Faceless. Faceless a faceless online presentation to actually, you know, real back and forth, face-to-face contact. And I know you can't see me, but I feel like you're there. So, (laughs) all right, speaker invites to the green room. Deb, this one's you.
3: Yes, so this is a question that we had too. How do you handle the speakers? knowing when to get there, uh, where do they go before, where do we hold them? And that's why the green room was so important. One of our streams was just just strictly green room and I was there. So if they had any questions, they could come and ask me. Um, but the, the main thing we did is we set up uh, a calendar invite a half an hour before their talk. So this is what my calendar looked like. I think that was Thursday. There's not a lot of white space. This is full, uh, full of people coming in and out of the green room, going into uh, where their talk was. So we had the two tracks going. They had a calendar invite a half an hour before they were supposed to be at their talk. They would meet me in the green room. I would go over all of the details, show them where the chat feature is, show them audio, webcam, all that stuff. We would set that up, and then I would give them the link to their track that they were gonna gonna be speaking on. So when they were done with me, they would just, like a stream, they would go into that stream one track and wait there as an attendee and wait to be promoted by either myself or Jason or John when it was time for them to speak.
0: Yeah, so that was, that, crazy. Was, yeah, that was the important part. So you have this green room and you have, let's say two or three tracks going at any time. So all three speakers come into the green room at once, you know, they're, cause they're all showing up 30 minutes ahead of time. And that gives Deb the opportunity to like test all the things like she said, but like she gives that link to that person. So they go into like a holding period inside the track that's already you know, going live. And then we had all these computers. So each computer with its own track. And so we would go to that one and we'd say, all right, there's John, let's right click. We're gonna make that person a presenter at the appropriate time. Because what happens is, let's say you have a, a person who's speaking right now and they're speaking and they're supposed to end at 1.50 but all of a sudden it's now 151 and it's 152 and it's 153 and they're trying to finish up their point and you still have like a question from the audience. So you're sitting there waiting for the appropriate time to promote that person up to presenter. And as soon as you do, they take over the screen and they take over the presentation and and so you have to like finagle it just right. So there was a, at one point there's like three stream or three tracks ending at the same time because you had a workshop that was ending, you had another workshop starting, you had one track and we we're all like, okay, <laughs> this one's good this one's good all right can you hear me good okay you can hear me. so there's that coordination that has to take place and it's it got easier over time but the very beginning of the first day there was a bit of a learning curve to it <laughs> yeah. zoom youtube live twitch webinar jam i think it's really up to you there's some of the you can charge so in go webinar you could you could do all the charging for your virtual con inside GoToWebinar if you wanted to, where it's, you know, say it's $100 for track one. There's a feature inside GoToWebinar where uh, people can pay that $100 and then they get, their, they get their special code and they can come back and be a part of that. We chose not to do that because we had already accepted the money for the tickets through Eventbrite. So we chose not to do any of that. Um, but inside like uh, Webinar Jam, you can have the password protected. Uh, Event And so you can create passwords and then give them out to the attendees. And and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because who gets access to the link? We created essentially public links. So the public link to track one, public link to track two, public link to the workshops. These were public links. If somebody wanted to share these links with somebody they knew, there really wasn't a way for us to go in and be like, no, you're not supposed to be here and boot them out. So there was a a little bit of, uh, what's the word? Uh, mm-hmm. trust,
3: uh, <laughs> feeling, <laughs> uh-huh. like,
0: like, I think what we were hoping for is that people were sharing the links, but we yeah. really couldn't stop it. And so if you look down here and so said 490 they did. tickets allocated and we had 701 email addresses total after the event was over, that's all the people who had been in the streams. And when you added them all up together it was 701 emails. Now, it could have been people who registered with one email address and then decided to, you know, sign up with this email address. And so there's multiple for the same person. But it also could have been a couple of people sharing the link itself. And so if you're looking at a solution, maybe that's something that you have to look into. It's like, is there a password protected option for this? Is there a payment option that gives people their own user generated links? Uh, We went with a go to webinar because once again, we had a four day turnaround period. So that's what we did. Any questions on that, Deb?
3: Um, there are a couple questions about: Did we do this remotely, or did we meet at someone's house? Did we set up a quote war room on how, or how many people did we have all together to run it? I, that's a, a great question. Well,
1: you guys, you had two, right? <laughs> In our war room. And then I had, and I think I had four, but we also were running training, and we were really, really, really uber paranoid. And by the second day, they were just kind of sitting around like. Now what? Everything was running
0: really, really smooth. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. We had two man centers. So on one in South Dakota, you had four computers set up that had the organizer status. And then in Baltimore, we had the two of us with four computers set up that had organizer status. That means if our Internet went down here, it did not take out the Webinar platform. If their Internet went down there, it did not take out the Webinar platform. So we had that backup redundancy for it. Any other questions? Cool. So we had two and yeah, like four.
1: Patrick had a great point. Mm -hmm. He said, with the coordination of speakers, should you offset the tracks? I.e., track one at the top of the hour, track two on the 30. I actually think that, I don't know, this is an opinion thing, but that might have been nice uh, to kind of have them offset from each other. Because then Mm -hmm. I could have done introductions for every single speaker. I don't know. Was that is that something you guys think would have been good or do you think it would have just been crazy? Like right. instead of once an hour being crazy, it would have been every yeah. 30 minutes and then there would have been right. no ability to sneak away to take a nap. That
3: was my first <laughs> thought is that we would have been like going all the time and no break at all. So it was kind of nice. It was crazy at the top of the hour. And then we had like a half an hour, 15, at least 15, 20 minutes before we had to be anywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what was nice is having that 30 minute window before the next track started so that we could work with the speakers together. And if we would have been offset, then it Deb would have always been working with the speaker and always working with the speaker and always thought. I I did think about it prior to like, should we offset 10 minutes or 15 minutes? But then you have the issue where people want to see that other talk, but they're in a talk already. And so they do they leave at the 30 minute point to go to the other talk. And so we decided to leave the talks at the same time. Uh, training started (laughs) on Tuesday. (laughs) So we had five training classes and it started on Tuesday and this was good practice for us to start. uh, we showed up early. We started testing the gear. We did a student roll call. uh, that was important to see if the students who signed up were actually there. um, and if they weren't, then making sure that the links got out to people and like, Hey, did you know this was running? So three of the streaming tracks were provided by us, but two of the trainers decided to independently run their own tracks or their own streams. And so they were like, hey, we know we know Zoom. We use Zoom all the time. We just want to use Zoom. We're like, okay, that's fine. For the training classes, John, you use GoToMeeting, right? Yeah, I use GoToMeeting
1: and it worked just fantastic for, for what I've done. But I've been using GoToWebinar and GoToMeeting for years and training online for a long time. A lot of it has to do with how you've structured your training more than the actual platform. But yeah, it worked it worked perfect for me.
0: Yeah. And then this is something that Velda uh, took care of and made sure it kept getting updated was we had an actual place to go and send people and say, here is the, you know, here's the schedule. Uh, it's a real schedule that like you would get at a real in-person event. We would have printed something that looked just like this. And so we do recommend that you work with somebody to make sure that you have a like some place to go. And these were uh, these were yeah. clickable links that would take you to the tracks. And so if you forgot, you could always click those. That would take you there. So I highly recommend that you have this. So Uh,
1: Jason had a question, had a couple of questions. He mm -hmm. has one question. It's how did you handle speaker questions at the end of the talk? I I came in as the moderator on my track, and I started asking the questions of the speaker. How did you guys handle it on track two?
0: Same thing. If there was a question that came up, from an attendee and we had time, we would ask the speaker to address that question. But mostly the questions were being answered in Discord by other attendees. Which is huge. There was a few speakers that just watched the Discord channel. So they had two monitors, they had the, the slides over here, they had the Discord channel over there and they were just watching And they're like, oh, uh, yeah, so the, the way I do that is, and they would answer it that way.
3: And that was really good information to give the speakers in the green room that they could have the Discord channel up. They could be answering those questions live. Some speakers found it distracting, but it was that that's why that half an hour before their talk was really important.
0: Yeah. All right. So once the conference started, uh, so Thursday morning, uh, John does the welcome just like you would at any conference. You kick it off and then you have your keynote speaker. So we had to coordinate that. Now, here is the big issue. What time zone do you pick? (laughs) So we decided to go with mountain time because mountain time was where Spearfish office in South Dakota is. And that that was good for us. But it was also good because it's kind of split the coast. And so the people who would have to wake up early on the West Coast uh, and it wasn't too late starting on the East Coast. And so we chose mountain time as the official time. Now, that was a huge pain in the butt when you're trying (laughs) to communicate to the attendees. that This is starting at 2 p.m. Mountain time. 4 p.m. Eastern time. So they, you have to continuously tell people when you're posting what time zone you're in.
1: Dominic has a cool question. He said, how would you handle panel discussion? Typical panel with three panelists, one moderator, and one presentation. The cool thing about any of the online platforms is it's just like this. You have yeah. multiple cameras. That are all set up we're all presenting we're all talking we're all sharing and if deb wanted to share something on her screen she could quickly and easily in fact i think panel uh, discussions are probably more engaging and work better in a virtual platform than they do in a live platform where you're watching a whole bunch of people sit on a stage in chairs staring at their knees this worked really well so panel discussions were
0: great so once the tracks were live it was like it's there's not a, I don't want to say there's no anxiety, but like once it's going, you're like, oh, cool, it's going, it's going. The only thing that you have to worry about at this point is promoting the presenter to speak at the right time and dismissing them when it's over. So we learned at AwarenessCon last year is that you do not give organizer status or the ability to kill the oh. webinar to a presenter. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah.
2: We learned that <laughs> Yeah.
0: Because, yeah. yeah. So, we had this like process that the when the speaker was done, they just kind of it just hung out until they were dismissed. Now, are you to dismiss them and go to webinars? You just right click and say dismiss the attendee. I don't know what it is in other platforms, but that's something to look for. And then you definitely tell the speaker in the green room, please do not close the <laughs> webinar. There's no need, we will dismiss you. You don't have to click X on anything. You don't have to close anything. We're gonna take care of that ourselves. Because we did have an issue where it closed the stream on us last year when we were doing this. And as soon as you close the stream, a lot of people are like, Well, oh, what just happened? And they might come back. But a lot of people are like, Oh, I guess it's down, and then they leave. And so it kind of kills we the lost 50%. Amount.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we lost about if that happens, you can count on losing fifty percent of the attendees. Yeah. Um easy. Yep. So now a difference
0: is... Uh, Go ahead, John.
1: Oh, I was just going to say a difference is if I were to shut out of this system, let's say I lost my internet connection and Jason lost his, and we all lost our internet connection. The link will actually stay live for between five to 10 minutes. So it gives you that time to come back in. So I recommend having like a mobile hotspot on your phone So if you do end up losing internet connectivity, you have a backup network connection that you can jump to really, really quickly. And GoToWebinar is really resilient. If you lose your session and then you join a different hotspot, it'll actually re-engage itself without any issues. So I recommend that, just having a backup internet connection, even if it's a mobile hotspot ready to go.
0: All right. So we recommend to have an MC for each track. So that's the person like John was saying, he was the MC for track one. I was the MC for track two. They welcome the speaker because you do want to have a little bit of an introduction. you're like, hey everyone, our next speaker is they're going to be presenting on this topic. Thanks so much for being here. And John, you did a really good job of like saying why this person and why you would want to hear from them and kind of talking them up. And so you want somebody that's MCing that has that showmanship a little bit. More so than just someone that's like, all right, everyone, the next presenter is going to be. So you want to look for someone in your
1: organization.
0: <laughs> we talk about that,
1: like the like the moderator voice. Hello, yeah. my name is John Strand, and I'm reading this off of a statement while I have someone holding a gun to my head. Today we'll be having a presentation by Chris Truncer. Chris Truncer is the owner of. It's horrible. Uh, why are they there? Why is it important? How do they interact with you? It it makes things much better.
0: Yeah, and then we have. So in the announcements at one point, hopefully I can find it, we gave one attendee, and if you ever had a chance to meet him, uh, you know why, we just, like this was unplanned, but I want you to plan this. Mm -hmm. If there's someone in your Discord channel that is just killing it, answering questions, sharing links, like helping others. So we decided, we just created an award on the spot and called it the Huckleberry Award and gave it to Jeff McJunkin. And we just said, thank you so much for being the person who's constantly So when a presenter would say, well, if you go to this website, Jeff was like looking at it, he would find the website, he would post it in track one. And so that was really cool. And like, he just created a much better experience for everybody. And so have a way to reward the people who are are doing that inside your Discord channel or inside the event. All right. And we're almost done. So in conclusion, uh, and then we'll take your questions it was exhausting. Like Mm -mm. running a virtual conference was almost as exhausting as running a physical in-person conference.
3: That's true.
1: (laughs)
0: Like when it was over Friday. Go ahead, John.
1: Yeah. I I, I lost a lot of sleep. (laughs) It was, I I think, I think physically it was a lot easier because you're just kind of sitting, you're walking around. It's not that big of a deal, but the stress of going into it, of, Is this going to work? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? Wasn't gone until Friday. We shut it down. And Jason's just like, that's it. I'm going to bed.
0: You know, he's just not. <laughs> yeah. So right before the conference started, the virtual conference started, uh, Deb said to me, like, I think it was casually. she's like, you realize we're doing a uh, 36 webcasts in 24 hours. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lot. Yeah. Oof. Wow. <laughs> without the discord it would have just looked like 36 hours or so of just people talking like I, I really feel if we didn't have a discord or you know if you want to use slack or something if you did not have that for a place for people to communicate and connect and like have that conversation it really is just like watching television it's just like watching very technical television for a couple of hours mm-hmm. reminder That's that bias was asking
1: go ahead I was just going to say, Tobias said, how many people are listening right now? It's only about 61, Uh, 57 people. Yeah.
0: Reminder that give your attendees many things to do. So have a CTF, have multiple tracks, have lobby con and allow them to go where they want to go just like at a regular in-person conference because not everyone likes to go to the talks uh, for the most part when i go to a conference i barely ever go to the talks because what i really get out of it is that face-to-face human connections that take place in LobbyCon or bar or hallway con or whatever you want to call it and so you want to give people the opportunity if they want to hear the, the tracks go the tracks if they want to participate if they want to do the ctf what do they want to do and have some centralized location where all that stuff is dispersed and where that can happen. Green rooms for the speakers to help them prep. Don't forget that people are freaked out. This is public speaking. Like it's still public speaking. You're still going up on stage. There's still hundreds of people watching you and, and there's still 62 of you. And like, there's still, I get a little bit of nervous when this is about to start. And so that green room gives a friendly face to welcome them and say, let's go ahead and test your gear. This is what you're about to experience. This is what it looks like. This is what you're about to face. And once they get in there and they start hearing the other speaker presenting and it's like, "Okay, okay, okay, Yeah. And so don't forget that the person who's about to present is nervous and you're giving them as much comfort as you can before they present, because the more comfortable they are, the better present uh, presentation they're going to give. Anything on that, John?
1: I, I I was gonna say that kind of introduction at the beginning, not just reading their bio, but doing your best to, if you can, try to introduce them as, as a person. I think that that helps put them at ease. Maybe ask them a couple of questions before you get started, like something as simple. I had a couple of people that I didn't know. I was just basically like, hey, before we get started, what was it that got you on this topic and got you rolling? Then it becomes a conversation with me as a moderator and them as a human being, and that kind of sets their presentation tone for the rest of the talks, um, or for the rest of their, their, their presentation. And that worked really well for all but a handful of bad, bad, bad presentations that we had. We should talk about that. I don't know how to handle that yet, but we have a presenter that's just like,
0: ooh, this shouldn't have made it. Yeah. Reward attendees that are helpful, like have that planned ahead of time and then figure out so figure out swag ahead <laughs> of time because attendees still want swag. <laughs> and how are you going to get it to them and how are you going to get their addresses and how are you going to, are you going to send out swag? Are you going to do this? Are you going to send out shirts and sweatshirts? Like, is that something that, that you're planning? Have that planned ahead of time? We figured it out. What, like the day of the conference? Like, is that?
2: Like, <laughs> 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 figure it out. We figured it out, then.
0: <laughs> we're, we're we're still
1: working it out. We, I did bag stuffing most of the conference where we're putting the badges together, the T-shirts in the bags, backdoors and breeches cards into the bags, and we will be shipping it off. It's going to cost us about $10.71 U.S. for each attendee to get them the swag. So it's going to be pricey, but it's going to be worth it in the long run.
0: Yeah. All right. So that kind of wraps up the information. So we have time for QA and a, and I think we can just stick around for a while and just answer as many questions as we can, or, or answer them in the discord. Sure. So, um, uh,
1: first one. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Dan, I was going to say the question. first one. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Ding.
3: Dan asked a good question. He wanted to know if the CTF was popular. Was it necessary? Or were there any other activities that we considered?
0: Oh, sure. The, so the CTF had 80, nine teams. I think it had 89 teams at one point. And so that was pretty popular. It wasn't the only thing that people did. And I don't think it's the, um, I I don't know how many people like played the entire time, but it was definitely something that got people engaged and they started building teams. The, The one thing I didn't mention is open the Discord the day before the conference starts and send out that link, you know, the day before the conference starts at least so that people can start moseying in Uh, So (laughs) because whenever I go to a conference, I normally show up the day before, too, because I'm the sponsor or I'm going to be a speaker. And I show up the day before and you start to meet people. You start to like, oh, hey, you're at the conference, too. Yeah. Um, So I would recommend that you start that prior to the start of the conference. What's next?
1: John, (laughs) Um, I'll take. Yeah. Uh, So. The first one is Did we lose any sponsors? I don't think we lost any sponsors. Did we, Velda?
2: We actually lost one. And then it was kind of interesting because I thought we were losing another one. But then they got really involved with the Discord channel. And all of a sudden they're like, Well, this is really cool. You know, so um, one would be how many we lost on okay. the 20 something we, we had.
1: So, how long- much did it cost? Oh, go ahead, Deb. You got this one.
3: That's the same question I was going to ask. How much did it actually cost to do this all?
0: Oh, so the licenses for GoToWebinar, I think collectively is about $1,000, John?
1: In addition, we, we already have a lot of GoToWebinar licensing that we spend a lot of money on. So one of the things that was nice was GoToWebinar was like, here's more free licenses. Just keep throwing lots of money at us. And that's yeah. part of the reason why we're keeping GoToWebinar and we're sharing it with the rest of the community. Because we have all these licenses in this infrastructure and a lot of people don't have that. So that's why we're willing to share. Yep.
0: Yeah. And John, I don't think we've talked about that yet. What, uh, what's our stance on sharing our GoToWebinar platform?
1: We are happy to start the webinar for you. We will make you an organizer of your specific webinar. We will not give you user IDs and passwords to create your own. The, this is really the heart and soul of BHIS is doing webcasts, and we, we, we have to protect that. And I know a lot of you are in the security game. You totally understand that, but we will set up the GoToWebinar for you, and then we will get you in, promote you to an organizer, and let you run it as you see fit. So you can use our licenses, but we're not going to share the user IDs and passwords. Yep.
0: So if you are running a con in the next month or two or three and you want it to go virtual and just reach out to uh, me or Deb or, or Velda and say, here's your con. Here's your dates. Here's how many tracks you need. We need a green room, that kind of stuff. And like John was saying, we will launch it at the time that you want us to launch it and we will close it at the time you want us to close it. And we will work on how we're going to get you the video files because they're massive, because they're like nine hour long streams. Uh, and then you can edit them down to the individual chunks if you'd like to. But if you are looking for a GoToWebinar platform, if you need that, then uh, reach out to us and we can help you set that up. If we have that date available. What's the next question?
3: Olaf is asking um, what we think about the sponsors. Would they do it again? Did any of the sponsors comment, um, give us any feedback?
2: I am following up with sponsors as we speak. But again, I think that the sponsors were were pretty happy with the amount of, of activity that was on their, their, their channel. Um, and, you know, that's, I guess it's TBD yet. But, um, you know, from what I could see, it seemed like they were very, very happy
0: with the outcome. Tim just asked, you are offering to share your GoToWebinar licenses. Is GoToWebinar okay with that? Yes.
1: Uh, the reason why they're okay with it is the way our licenses are set up is the number of simultaneous sessions. So if we have a license and it's being used, we can't, let, we can't start more than one webcast at the same time on each of those licenses so there's going to have to be some coordination we can't run four conferences the exact same week on top of each other that's not going to fly but we can easily do one per week so if you're planning on shifting to virtual please get in contact with us so we can help you and we can get you on the schedule because we can't stack them on top of each other
0: john is that a bird an angry (laughs) bird (laughs) yes
1: it's 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 my it's my angry cockatiels and they want me to open the top of the cage so they can jump out and yeah. attack me. And they're worse than
0: cats. But Dan asked if the discord voice channels were used. Uh, they were used infrequently. And so what that was was the people who were used to using discord. So there was a couple of our presenters that were like, oh, discord. I use discord all the time. So they were very comfortable at the end of their session saying, if anybody wants to meet me, we created a track one voice, track two voice. If you take a look in our discord. And so the people who were done presenting said, if you want to continue this conversation, if you have more questions, then join me in the voice uh, channel for the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Philip is asking questions about um, how much do you think would really cost? So total costs included shipping of equipment, purchasing of anything you use, putting this on merch, licensing was around a thousand. All around it seems so. Is it safe to say did we do this for less than six grand? Do you think, John? The virtual conference.
1: I would say pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. And and with all the additional tickets that we sold, it more than offset that cost. It did not offset the cost of the hotel. But it just it seems being virtual makes it
0: easier for more people to attend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone also asked the question, since we're going virtual now, do you think we're just going to keep going virtual or people are going to just want us to do virtual instead of in person? What do you think, John? I
1: I think we're going to be doing hybrid. I I really like Jason's mentioned this multiple times. I like being around people. I like being at lobby cons and bar cons. I, I love being around people. And it is my hope that we get back to that. So I think moving forward in the future, we're going to do hybrid where we'll have out on ground, but we're going to be streaming everything that's happening on ground virtually. And we're probably going to set up a different price point for that. So there'll probably be a ticket that's half cost. That's the streaming only ticket. And the only reason why we do that is we spend a lot of money on food for our attendees. So we would probably deduct the cost of the food off the ticket so we can justify the cost uh, as well
0: so i think the last question we're going to answer and then we'll jump in the discord and answer some written questions is what is the biggest thing that you would change if you could rerun it and so i think we'll each answer that question because each one of us played a different role in how this all went so i think the biggest thing that i would change if i had a chance to redo it is i would have thought about a virtual component ahead of time like weeks ahead of time it would have been like hey what if we wanted to go virtual like I don't know why I never thought of using Discord or virtual. It was almost like the mother necessity that created all this stuff. And thankfully, I got to take a class on streaming and Discord and community engagement like a month and a half ago. And so, like, I learned these things and I was like, oh, cool, John, I think we could use this stuff in the future. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he's like, we need to use it now. And I was like, okay, okay we can do that. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing I would change if I could do it again was just plan for virtual ahead of time and just, I don't know why we didn't. Uh, who wants to go next?
2: Um, I'll
3: go next. Yeah. So along the same vein of what John and Jason are saying about people, like I need people. And so my favorite part about a conference is the people, the face-to-face. So the thing that I would change would be, one of the questions actually was, do we have like a like speaker room uh, that they could come and just hang out kind of like this? I think I would add that. I would add the speaker chill room on the uh, Discord, but also just a face-to-face where people can come and, and just talk to each other face-to-face. And so I would add. Hmm.
0: Well,
2: I'm gonna piggyback off of yours, Jason, and say a good, solid backup plan. Like John mentioned earlier, he and I had talked about you know the possibilities of this conference getting canceled, and and you're right, we should have been thinking about it long before. The other thing is is probably, for me, more people helping with customer service stuff. So those would, those would be my two things,
0: probably. Yeah. And then, John, close this out.
1: Yeah, I would have just asked for more time. But I think that this type of depunctuated articulum really helped BHIS as a whole because now it threw Discord to the forefront, and now Discord is something that's going to be heart and soul to everything that we do because we saw just how amazing it was. I think the training and doing that virtually, I think that that's something that we learned a lot of positive lessons from. And it, look, yeah, I would have loved to have had some more time. But honestly, this shove forced us to grow in a way that we didn't expect. And I think it's overall positive.
0: Hi, So thank you all for joining. I know that some of you want to reach out and talk to us about the getting the streams or using the licenses. So feel free to Jason at BlackHillsInfosec.com. You can also ask in the info in the discord channel, or you can send me a message in there and thank you so much for listening. We're going to throw the recording up online for people who didn't get a chance to attend this live uh, and they can find us in the discord channel too.